Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. The following message is given by our pastor, Jonathan Chubb, and is titled, This Sermon is Brought to You by Nike. and I am happy to be with you this morning. Um, You know, you've gotten to know me over the last few weeks, and in case you were wondering, I'm not very famous. Um, No one is knocking down my door trying to get my opinion on things. No one is trying to get me to endorse things, endorse items, endorse products. Um, We live in a world where that's all around us, famous people endorsing things. Uh, Sometimes I like to daydream, though, and think about if I were famous... What brands would I like to endorse? Um, There's a lot of products that I love in my life, but I was thinking about one thing in particular this week, and one brand in particular that I love, and I would proudly get up here and say, like, hey, I use this item, is the brand Dyson, the brand that makes, they make the vacuum cleaners, the hand dryers, the fans, et cetera. They make those cool air blades in the bathroom that you stick your hand in. I love Dyson products. I think they're great. Um, They're very sleek and very fancy, and they work really well. Um, We have one of their cordless vacuums at home. That's a game changer. We have one of their uh, their fan air purifiers. Again, it's amazing. Um, And so I would love for them at some point to reach out to me and say, like, hey, we want you to endorse our products. I was especially thinking about that this week because we had to change the filter in our air purifier. I didn't realize that we needed to change this thing. And when I looked at the price, I was like, oh, I don't want to do this because it's really expensive. I wish they would just send me one, but they're not going to do that. Um, But I think especially in my line of work with preaching, I think it would be very funny if this were to happen because I'm picturing some like awkward exchange where they're like, okay, so can you work in some positive examples of Dyson vacuum cleaners in your message uh, next week? I think that'd be really funny. As Jesus cleans up our sins, so does the Dyson vacuum clean up the dirt in our lives. I don't know. That was my first take at it. I'm not in marketing. I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure this practice would break church tax laws, and so it's probably for the best that I am not paid by Dyson. Um, So I'm I'm bringing all this up because even though today's sermon is not sponsored by any major companies, at the same time, it kind of unofficially is. And so I'm not going to say the name of the sponsor uh, uh, just yet, but when the time is right, I I will bring that to light for us all. So we're going to continue to look at the book of James this week. We started that uh, last week, and uh, we're continuing this morning. Uh, we're looking at the latter half of the chap- uh, 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 We're looking at the latter half of the first chapter, which we read earlier uh, today. A brief recap about how the book started from last week. Uh, we talked about how James had some important things uh, to guide and direct his audience with. Uh, he outlined the importance of seeking wisdom and how we don't need to overly complicate it. God wants to give us wisdom, and all we need to do is be in the habit and uh, the regular practice of asking. Um, his audience, James's audience, needed help with wisdom in their particular set of circumstances. Uh, they needed help with three things. They needed help with navigating the waters of religious persecution. They needed help with understanding how temptations work. And they needed to also understand how their financial situation didn't make them any better or worse than anyone in their, in their lives. 
And so James has some further words of encouragement, some further words of admonishment for his audience, and so we're going to be diving into that this morning. Uh, So we'll pray, and then we'll get started. So please pray with me now. Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the truth of your word when James wrote it down. uh, We are thankful for the truth of your word throughout the ages, uh, for the light that has spoken to the church, and we are thankful for the truth of your word even in our own context today. This morning, I pray I'd indeed be able to preach and proclaim your truth. If I say anything that's not of you, I pray that would be forgotten, uh, but ultimately you'd be brought glory and honor, and we would learn to better be your disciples. Amen. All right, so judging from what James continues with here, we can gather that his audience, they need some help with some other things here. Uh, They need some help with wisdom. They need some help with their listening skills. Uh, Godly wisdom uh, knows the value in listening and not being so quick to jump into a conversation or maybe become worked up over it. Maybe you've heard the classic expression, the reason we have two ears but only one mouth is so that we listen more and speak less. Two ears, one mouth, listen more, speak less. And in our day and age, in the modern world, everyone is out there trying to voice their opinions about everything. We want them to be heard, we want to be right, and we want everyone to know it. Uh, One of the great things about the internet is it's given everyone a voice. Literally anyone can go on and publish a blog or shout something from Facebook or record a podcast, and anyone can see it, anyone can hear it, anyone can read it. And it's leveled the playing field somewhat in in, in regards to giving everyone a chance to speak up and let their thoughts and feelings uh, be made known. And to uh, be clear, I think that's mostly a good thing. People need access to information, and everyone, I think, does have a right to be heard. Um, That being said, godly wisdom understands the value in being slow to speak, and it understands the value in listening. That's a concept that's difficult for our culture to understand because the internet and television and radio and movies and books and magazines and all that stuff are putting forth their voices, screaming to be heard. It's all about getting new content, getting new followers, getting more clicks, getting more likes, getting the word out there. But, but listening, it's, it's so important. And those who are wise know this. It's, it's part of having godly wisdom. Listening is actually a vital uh, counseling skill. If you go to a therapist because you're you know, dealing with some sort of issue, dealing with some sort of problem that you want to work out, they don't just like, you don't just show up and they start giving you all this advice right away. No, they, they take some time to get to know you. They sit and they listen to you. A lot of their training is learning to listen well. And and few of us need help with voicing our opinions, but likely all of us could benefit from stronger listening. Um, James then goes on to connect the importance of listening uh, with the downfall of quickly gained anger. He says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. A very human tendency uh, is for us to rush in and quickly become angry over something, often without fully understanding what's going on. Uh, the incredible hulk in us bursts out and leaves the destructive, path, uh, destructive way in its path. We say things and we do things that we can't take back. 
And I think sometimes people look at this verse and then they make this false connection with uh, becoming angry in general and the fact that maybe we shouldn't even, we should never become angry. That's like sinful. God doesn't want us to do that. And there's this understanding that links anger and sin together. Um, and at first glance, you, you may think that. You might see like, oh, well, maybe I should never become ang- angry. Anger is wrong. And to be clear, anger in and of itself is not wrong. Anger in and of itself is not bad. Anger in and of itself is not sinful. It's an emotion that we all experience for a variety of reasons. We see God in Scripture get angry a lot. We see Jesus get angry as well. And at one point, he goes into the Gospels, and in the Gospels, he goes into the temple. He sees money changers. He starts literally flipping over tables and uh, a bunch of other things. He, He causes a huge ruckus because he's angry. Uh, Jesus was angry because he saw people being financially manipulated at the temple. The poor were getting ripped off as they were trying to buy animals for the Passover celebration. And so when you see injustice in the world, that should make you angry. If someone tries to hurt you or someone tries to hurt someone you love for no reason, that makes you angry and that's normal and that's okay. You know, when you, when you see dictators or corrupt governments continually oppress their own people while they themselves are living in this palace of decadence, that should make you angry. And so anger isn't necessarily wrong or bad or sinful. So I think the understanding should be don't ever, so the understanding should not be don't ever get angry so much as it should be don't get angry, don't sin when you get angry. Don't rush in and do something you're going to regret in, in that quickly gained anger. Sometimes we just need to slow it down a bit when we're angry. And even though we're supposed to be slow to speak and slow to become angry, we're not supposed to be slow in living out our faith. And that's what the rest of the chapter one, chapter one is about. It's about acting out our faith, living out our faith. It's about being our faith, doing our faith, living out our faith. Again, all of this is done with godly wisdom. We have two ears, which help us to listen, but we also have two hands and two feet, which we use with living out our faith. And really, the rest of this chapter preaches itself. There's not any kind of special or hidden meaning here. It's all right in front of us. Uh, the rest of this chapter, verses 22 to 27, this is the part where like, corporate sponsorship takes place. This section is basically sponsored by Nike, Nike the shoe company. Really, the whole book is sponsored by Nike, but especially this part here. Does anyone want to venture a guess as to why? This is the audience participation time. Why is this uh, sponsored by Nike? Just do it. All right, just do it. Even if you don't own Nikes, you know that this is their slogan. Nike, they stole their idea from James. Just do it. Just live out your faith. There's a reason I am um, I'm not famous and don't do sponsorships because I don't own Nikes. I actually wore my Adidas this morning for you all. So if I, if I owned Nikes, I would wear them, but I'm an Adidas guy. So verse 22, if we just listen to the word but aren't doing anything about it, we are deceiving ourselves. If we sit here once a week, listen to the sermon, maybe flip through our Bibles here and there, but it has no impact on anything we do, no impact on our thinking, on our living, then we're just missing the point. I love to look, go online and just look up what things cost. And some, usually when I'm buying something, I look from cheapest to most expensive. That's how I organize things. But it's fun to do the opposite sometimes, go to the most expensive and then work your way down. And I was looking at like, how, how expensive of Bibles can you get there on Amazon or christianbook.com, things like that. And there are actually these honking huge like, uh, like uh, Bibles that, that are like uh, the church kind of Bibles that are up there, that are uh, calfskin. You can buy them online for close to $1,000 
I mean, you can call a company, like they'll send you a Bible for free and you can spend $1,000 on a brand new Bible. So you can, you can buy this, read it every day, you can memorize the whole thing. And yet if you're just getting angry at the drop of a hat or not looking out for the poor and needy and all the other stuff referenced here in James and the rest of the Bible, it's all meaningless. Save your money, don't do that. You know, we can defend our views of the Bible with, in, in debates with atheists. We can come up with these long and flowery statements about how we love our Bibles and we, we kiss it at night and things like that. We can declare how much we love the Bible. But if we do all that and we're not living it out, not following Jesus, not doing what he asks of us, then we're missing the point. All of that work, all of, all of those words are just a waste of time and it doesn't matter. We're wasting our time, we're wasting our breath. Uh, Being a follower of Jesus Christ means that you not only listen to him, but you live out what he asks of us. Otherwise, it's like looking into a mirror, James says, and then immediately forgetting what you look like. And we don't simply study the life of Jesus because it's interesting. We study the life of Jesus so as to better understand how God wants us to live and act in our own context. And you can claim religion until you're blue in the face, but if you're not keeping a rein on your tongue, you're not looking out for the needy in your context— Again, you're just wasting your time. James lays it out there in verse 26. He says, if you're doing all these things, uh, but don't live it out, you're deceiving yourself and your religion is worthless. God does not simply want our platitudes. Our religion is worthless if all we have are words. Uh, James will later have some further teaching on our use of words and our tongue in chapter three. Read ahead at your own risk. If you think that this message is tough or harsh or like, oof, Chapter three is not exactly a picnic either. Uh, James also gets into talking about orphans and widows. Uh, This is an expression that we see a lot in the Bibles, especially in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, The idea is very simple. In Israelite society, those that were most vulnerable were those without parents and women whose uh, whose husbands had died. Uh, Those were the most at risk in that day and age. They had no united way. They had no snap benefits. They had no salvation army. In that day and age, if you were an orphan or if you had lost your husband, you basically were at risk of starving and dying because if you couldn't work, you didn't eat. It was real simple. If you don't work, you don't eat. And so because of that, God had actually built into the Israelite law code special rules for making sure that the people took care of those who were, who were poor. And then when you get to the prophets, if you read them, the prophets are continually condemning their own people because they were just terrible at doing this. They were not doing it. They took the reverse approach to Nike and they just didn't do it. Uh, God has always had a special concern for the most vulnerable in society. The life of Jesus, I love reading about that and seeing like Jesus was born into a poor family and he seemed to most identify with the poor and the other outcasts of his society in his day and age. Uh, So this section from James, it is short, but it is deep and there is a lot to it. Um, As we seek out godly wisdom, this can help us realize we need to take time and slow down, take time to listen. We need to slow down and not be so quick to get angry. We need to live out our faith and not just talk about it. We need to care for the orphans and the widows. We need to keep a tight rein on our tongues. And so that's a lot, guys. That's a lot. There's eight, eight or so sentences in English. So what do we do with that text this morning? There's a lot, we could, a lot of different directions we could go. We're going to talk about taming our tongues later in chapter 3. So we'll dive into that in a few weeks. So we're not going to talk about that so much. Caring for orphans and widows. That's certainly an ongoing conversation we're having as a church. 
Uh, my initial observation on this body is that we do seem to care about each other. We do seem to have a concern for the world in which we live. Now, can we do that in better ways? Can we do that in new ways? Sure, that will always be the case. Uh, that's a larger conversation we'll continue to have as we progress as a church. I have no, no doubts that this will be something that we continue to care about. Uh, the idea of, of just doing it, just living out your faith, really, I said Nike has sponsored the whole Bible because that's what, that's what this is about. It's about living out our faith. That's why we're here. We're worshiping and understanding how to better live out our faith. Um, but when I was kind of looking at this text, when I'm preaching, one of the things I always want to make sure I'm doing is like that I'm preaching to myself. Like I'm not just, it's, it's the message is for us as a body and that includes me. It's not, just a, it's not just about you, it's about all of us together. And so I'm always trying to make sure I'm preaching to myself not just you. I don't want to be up here like, you guys need to do this. This does not impact me. No, man, this impacts all of us. My preaching better be about myself, including, including all of us. And so with that idea in mind, as I was like, kind of like looking at the text, wrestling with it, I was really, my eyes kept being drawn back to the idea of being quick to listen. The idea of being quick to listen. And I think I was drawn to that because I could use some help with that. I am not always uh, the best uh, at being quick to listen. And so that's what we're going to dive into this morning. What does it mean to be quick? How do we better uh, be quick at listening? How, how do we become better listeners? What can we do to be quick to listen and slow to speak? And to be clear, while this is something literally anyone and, uh, can and should benefit from, I also believe that this is a spiritual practice. This is a spiritual discipline as well. This is not just this worldly advice, but this is something that's true for, for Christians as well. Uh, we hopefully can understand that this is part of godly wisdom is listening well. And the reason I say this is because James talks about being quick to listen, being slow to anger, and then he goes on in verse 21 and he says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent among you. And he seems to make this connection between moral filth and then getting quickly upset at the drop of a hat or not, being, uh, not listening to others. And I was thinking about that, and that was kind of wild to me because I think if you went up to the average person on the street and you said, like, define moral filth, what does that mean to you? They would come up with something really dark and really twisted and something like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this out loud. And yet he's saying our inability to listen to others is moral filth. That's, that's a very interesting connection. I don't think we often think about it in that way. And maybe the reason it's linked is because when we don't fully like, and truly listen to someone, um, then I think we've denigrated them because we're not seeing them as a full person made in the image of God. We're just rushing through them and not seeing them as like a person who's loved and not caring about them. And so I think maybe that's why there's that connection there. And so being quick to listen is, is a good mark of discipleship. And in fact, Jesus himself many times in his ministry would say, if you have ears to hear, then listen to me. It wasn't simply, hey, listen. It wasn't if you have ears, then listen to me. It, it was if you have ears that work, then listen to me. There was this threefold emphasis on listening in the life of Jesus. And so Jesus himself understood that his own audience wouldn't always be making the effort to truly listen to what he was saying. So how, how, what does this mean? How do we do this? How do we, we be better at, at listening? What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, for starters, there's some super basic things we can all do when engaged with someone in a conversation, like making eye contact with people. I'm going to just awkwardly like, look at everyone in the eyes right now making eye contact with everyone, putting your phone away, oof. 
That's a big one for me. When in, in, in dialogue, asking open-ended questions, not interrupting, not rushing in with solutions, pausing before you speak. I literally came up with this list by a quick Google. Like, there's all these real simple things you can do. And so this week, my pastoral encouragement for you, my pastoral challenge for you, is to focus in on how you are listening to others. You know, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your coworkers, uh, maybe it's the barista you get coffee from. In the dozens to hundreds of interactions you were having with people this week, listen well. Just do it. Pray a simple prayer before you're engaging with folks this week. Lord, help me to be present and help me to listen. Give me ears that hear. Slow down, take some time to step back, reflect on how you're interacting with others in both big and small ways. And again, I'm not just talking about all the crazy, maybe serious conversations you're having, just with all the little things we're doing as well. You know, not every conversation we have is life-altering, but take some time to reflect upon how you're treating others, how you're listening to them. Pull aside your spouse or a friend and just ask them, like, do I listen well? Do you think people, do I do that? Or how can I improve upon that? Again, are you making eye contact with people? Are you putting your phone away? Are you asking open-ended questions, not interrupting, not rushing in with solutions, pausing? Just Google some basic listening skills. Spend some time reflecting on how you do that or how you could improve. Um, there's a good chance many of us will be on Zoom this week, maybe for a work thing, maybe for a church thing, maybe for a family thing. It's incredibly easy for me to be multitasking on Zoom, and I would venture to guess this is true of most of us here as well. So this week, if you're on Zoom or any kind of online meeting, whatever that looks like, take some time to pause, be fully present, and be fully listening to those that are around you. Even if it's a boring work thing that could have been an email, be present and be listening. Again, this is a spiritual practice. You know, we often talk about trying to listen to God, listen to the Holy Spirit, but how often do we take time to listen to others well? How often do we take time to listen to just humanity, folks that are made in the image of God well? Just do it. Listen well this week. I have a friend, Eric, who's in school right now. He's, he's uh, learning how to be a therapist. And I spoke with him briefly about you know, advice for listening well. Uh, there's this uh, approach in therapy developed by Carl Rogers called the person-centered therapy. And the, the basic the approach, the idea is that you as the client, the person seeking out help, can better understand what your issues are and how to fix them. It's not necessarily, like you have the answers kind of within, within you. As I mentioned earlier, most therapists are trained to listen well, and their role is not to simply dole out advice. Um, yes, they, they do help with that, but they listen. And so a big part of their training and listening is helping to rephrase what you're saying in order to make sure they truly understand. So the idea, like, what I hear you saying is. And so while, again, giving advice is part of what they do, truly understanding the person and what they're actually saying is key to this. So whenever you rush in to offer advice, you're not, often, you're not actually understanding them. And so this week, as you're trying to listen better in big and, big and small ways, in those more serious conversations, maybe when there is conflict with someone else, maybe there is someone coming to you for help, take some time, slow down, look them in the eye, pause and say, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. What I hear you saying is, take some time, practice that. 
Another thing I like to do sometimes is listen to TED Talks online. There's all kinds of free TED Talks. They're all over YouTube and other sites. They're great. If you've never listened to a TED Talk, just listen to it. Literally any TED Talk will be like eye-opening and amazing. And I, I watch some TED Talks about listening well. And there's one I listened to um, from a guy named Scott Pierce. Um, he's this very accomplished person in, in many different fields. And he actually wanted to get into improv comedy. He's, that's not, he's not a comedian, he's like a businessman. But he really wanted to get into improv comedy. So he took a class on this. And his assumption was, in order to be good at improv, you needed to be funny. You know, you watch the, the people upstage, they're making up lines and they're like, these people are funny. And so that's what he assumed was the key to doing improv well, to being funny. But he quickly learned that in improv, it's not actually about being funny. It's actually about being present and listening and accepting what the other person is throwing your way. And so as a scene would begin, he would be given a line and he would then already write the script out like with how he wanted it to go. He would just instantly come up with the narrative. Um, and he quickly realized that when he would do that, those performances would absolutely bomb. They would not be funny and they'd be incredibly awkward because he realized he was trying to control the narrative. He had a script written and he wasn't listening or accepting to what the other person was saying. And he said that in order to do uh, improv well, he had to come with an empty mind, a clean slate, and accept whatever the narrative was in front of him. He had to listen well. And I think there's a connection with listening well in our own context as well. I think maybe sometimes we're afraid to listen well because it, it means giving up control in the conversation. Listening well lets the other person express what they're thinking and feeling. That takes the power from us. I mean, I like having the power. Like most of us want the power and listening well means we have to shed that, have to get rid of that, have to die to ourselves and like be present in the moment. Maybe we're afraid that by truly listening to someone we'll 100% support and agree with everything they're saying and that's not necessarily the case. Listening well does not mean that. Just because you slow down and listen and see the person and the humanity in, in, in front of them, in front of you, doesn't mean you always have to support everything that's being said, but you show respect and you show that you care and you show that you love them. And so my Papa go friends, to brothers and sisters in the faith and those that are on this faith journey, this week, let us slow down and listen well. Let us view other humans as loved by God and take the time to slow down and listen. Whatever that means for you, slow down and listen. Let us learn to get out of our own way and listen to others. Uh, and we pray that we can have ears to truly hear others and listen well. I invite you to pray with me now. Lord, we are so thankful for your word. We are so, so thankful that James wrote it down, that's been preserved through the ages and it's been studied and we're able to still preach and proclaim and study that in our own day and age. We're so thankful for all the just amazing godly advice that James is presenting here. A lot of it's really hard to listen to. A lot of it's tough to accept because James like speaks just at our humanity and our weaknesses and we realize we could do all do so much better. There's a lot of great stuff here in James, but Lord, especially now, we, pr we pray that we can understand the value in listening well. We realize that there are so many distractions, so many things vying for our attention, our internal struggles with wanting to just remain in power, all the things that are just getting in the way. And Lord, this week, 
as a spiritual practice, as a spiritual discipline, as, as a thing that we can do to better be your followers, better to be disciples of Christ, let us listen well. Let us go against the flow of culture and slow down. Let us go against the, the flow of culture and take pauses, take breaths, listen. Let us learn to put our phones away. Let us learn to slow down, look others in the eye. Let us learn to just pray and say, let me be present. Let me see the person that you love in front of me and listen. Let me not, let me not be afraid of what they may say. Let me not be afraid of the conflicts or afraid of the weirdness, but let me just listen. Lord, we are thankful that you are a God who listens to us. You are a God who hears us when we pray. You are a God who knows us well. We pray that we can embody this and live this out as well. Amen. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.